Nick McDonald spreads his wisdom in episode 31 of Personalities at Carry. Nick is a tree hugger, a Tesla enthusiast, and a Tesla 3 owner. If the world needs saving, I'm sure he'll be the first one to sign up. Nick is concentrating in supply chain and business analytics here at WP Carry. His internship this summer was at On Semiconductor. So let's get talking with Nick McDonald. Okay, welcome back to Personalities at Carry. We are at episode 31 and we have with us Nicholas McDonald, who's, you never call him Nick, right? No, uh, Nicholas, my, you just it, call him Nick. Yeah, my, my mom and my sister are the only ones that call me Nicholas, so. Okay. <laughs> and then my wife when I'm in trouble. So. <laughs> right. so we get started with our very first question, which is, uh, Give us your background, where you come from, what have you done before coming to school, and what made you decide to do an MBA? Okay. Um, see, where do I come from? I grew up in San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I got my personality from there, very laid back uh, kind of attitude. And um, from I was there for about 10 years, and then I lived in South Dakota for a couple years, um, lived uh, near my grandparents, got to live in the snow, which was quite a culture shock coming from the beach life, going to the snow. Um, only lived there for a couple of years, but uh, I got in touch with my, my dad's roots because my dad's parents were there, and um, I really enjoyed that experience. It was very eye-opening, and it, and it allowed me to understand how different parts of the country, and then eventually... Um, inspired me to want to travel because um, I felt like everybody every community is different and it, it made me want to get out and see what the rest of the world has um, and then from there uh, I moved to Arizona my my dad went back and taught at his old university in South Dakota um, and my mom just worked part-time and uh, my, my parents got another opportunity at Raytheon in Tucson um, and so I spent about man 15 years in Tucson mm-hmm. um, did my high school there I actually started sorry for everybody listening but I actually started my undergraduate degree at U of A um, <laughs> I finished actually finished my undergraduate degree and at, that's the end of this podcast I finished my undergraduate degree at U at ASU um, in marketing um, and then went and worked at a telemedicine company out of uh, out of school they actually came and spoke on campus and uh, that company got acquired. That was quite a learning experience going from a small company to a slightly larger company, um, but going through an acquisition was was an awesome experience. Um, and then I came, uh, I worked there for about five or six years and then uh, wanted, found, learned about the Forward Focus program and I was, I, I've always known I wanted an MBA, but the Forward Focus was like, all right, this is the time to go. You gotta mm-hmm. jump in, you gotta do it now. Um, and the timing worked out perfect. It was after my wife had got her MBA um, and we had our, our first kid, uh, Penny, which anybody knows me or has asked about my kids, I'd, <laughs> I'd be showing you a picture right now. Uh, I'd be busting out a picture. But uh, so MBA was the right time for me right now. It's something I've always wanted to, wanted to achieve. Okay. So you decided just to go to ASU? You haven't. You didn't apply to any other. I schools. did apply to other okay. schools. Absolutely, I applied uh, at some northwestern schools, mm-hmm. um, not northwestern, but in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so I applied at Portland State and uh, Willamette University. Um, one of my 
Dream Companies is Nike, and both of those schools are very heavily tied to Nike. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And then uh, after coming to ASU, how has your first year experience been like? My first year, wow, that was an eye opener. <laughs> um, first year was a lot of sleepless nights, um, a lot more, a lot more work, a lot more hours than I expected. I expected coming into a full time program. That I was gonna be able to, you know, use the nine to five that I did in a full time job to do my schoolwork, and still go home and spend time with the family. And that was not even close to what it was. It was two x a full time job, if not more. Um, but it was it it made me, uh, I think, a harder worker and uh, more well rounded. So and that and I really enjoyed meeting people from different cultures, different backgrounds, and um, those are those are the types of things I like to learn aside from academics. Hmm. So I do ask people who have come from different, you know, uh, countries, how do, do they manage time with their family? Like, uh, how do they communicate with them? But you, in a, like, in this situation where you spend time with your family every day, how do you manage family? Um, well, it depends on the day, really. Um, I... I, my schedule is very important and I try and stick to that and I let projects creep into that if I need to um, and teamwork is very important as well um, but I, I try and get everything done um, before dinner time so my, my oldest daughter's at school during the day uh, right now my wife's at home with our our newborn so she's at home all the time at the moment um, but I try and get everything done nine to five and then I set aside dinner time for the family if I can do it. Um, and, I, and I get that probably five, six days a week. I, I, I'm home for dinner. Um, and I, I'm usually the cook. Um, if my <laughs> wife's listening, she'll probably kill me for telling that to everybody. But um, I enjoy cooking. It's relaxing. I get to decompress from everything at school. Um, and that's family time. So I cook, we eat, we talk about our day. Um, I do bath time or whatever with, with the kids. And then they go to bed and then... The next however many hours is is dedicated to schoolwork, mm-hmm. um, and then the weekends is is the same. It's you know set aside the nap times for the schoolwork, um, and then if I have to spill over um, into the regular day, then I will. But I try and make sure that I keep time to the family. Mm-hmm. So you're one of those examples where you can get an MBA with with kids and family totally okay absolutely yeah i mean i have an awesome support system and that is you have to have that if i was a a single dad i Mm -hmm. there's no way i could do it yeah and not you know learn or achieve or or do the two concentrations that i wanted to so Mm -hmm. so coming back to your experience at school uh you probably came into the mba with some expectations have there been any events or incidences that have kind of taken like you've taken notice that they've exceeded your expectations, or even um, people that you've met, the faculty, things like that. Yeah. Um, see what exceeded my expectations. The people definitely. I mean, that stands out right away. Um, just the the diversity of, of backgrounds and personalities. No pun intended with the <laughs> name of your show. Um, but yeah, just the diversity of backgrounds and and. Even though everybody is very different and comes from a very different background, everybody is very approachable and um, easy to talk to and very willing to help, which was was rather surprising to find that diverse of group of people and everybody has the same qualities and that they want to help each other, which you don't see that in the real world. Every, 
all the jobs that I've had, you, you don't have that large group of people that all share the same um, urge to help and, and eagerness to learn um, that you do here. Mm-hmm. So from what I gather, I think you're doing supply chain and business analytics Correct. as your concentrations. Yep. So did you come in with those expectations like, I, I'm going to do this, or is that something that you made your mind up after like the second quarter? Um, so those are the two that I came in with. Um, I very passionate about sports, so the sports management one was new when I was accepted. So that one attracted me a bit. Attracted uh, me a bit, but um, supply chain and analytics were the ones that I've um, where I wanted from the beginning. Supply chain because um, I want to change the way that we source materials and and. Um, and for the people that know me that are listening, they know I'm very passionate about sustainability um, and renewable energy. And um, my goal and what I want to do as a career is go out and find a way to, to loop those materials back into the beginning of the, the raw materials. So instead of just make and throw away, take those, those end-of-life products, break them down as much as you can and reuse those um, save energy, uh, save landfill, save the environment um, mm. are kind of my, my goals. And the one thing that's really helped in this program was being able to find the, the way to communicate that to an executive level of finding the, the cost benefit of doing that as opposed to just the environmental benefit. Because that kind of gets lost on an executive leadership team, um, at least in today's world. In the future, that may be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the the cost benefit of it and the environmental benefits don't need to be mutually exclusive. Got it. And with BA, how did you decide to do it? Oh, BA, I've always been passionate about analytics. Um, One thing that drove me crazy after my undergrad was the amount of leaders that made gut decisions and like they, it seems like they would lick their finger and put it in the air and say, (laughs) okay, we're going to do this because it feels right. And that drove me crazy. And I, a couple of meetings I had a with my direct boss, not you know a CEO, but our, our CTO. I had a few heart-to-heart conversations one-on-one about you know we're moving forward with a decision without the data to back it up, mm-hmm. and um, you know if I if I had the skills, you know if I had further skills in order to to show the data because I was more involved in the day-to-day and I knew exactly what was happening. I saw every issue that came in um, to our to our shop. So I knew where the issues were because I touched every single one, but they made decisions just based on their gut and what their previous experience was. Although that's valuable, um, it's there's two sides to the equation, and you got to have the analytics. So mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to enhance my my skill set around analytics in order to make those convincing arguments. Mm-hmm. And uh, given that you've taken so many courses over the past year and even in the last quarter. Do you have a favorite course that you want to recommend? Uh, decision modeling mm-hmm. was by far my favorite class. Um, the, uh, the statistics class in the first year was rough, and it kind of, that was like the first class I was focused on BA, um, and that was, that was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it almost scared me away from analytics, but I was, I'm like, I'm going to keep going, keep pushing through, put that one behind me. And uh, Professor Byers is the professor of both classes, and it was just night and day how much I really enjoyed decision modeling and the thought process, and that whole class from start to finish 
of just the way to think about a problem. How do you set it up? How do you find the solution? Um, was awesome. And the statistics class, I just, I don't know if that was the right way for me mm-hmm. to learn statistics. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but. Yeah, a lot of people have said decision modeling is a very good course to take, especially under Professor Byers. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, like, if I, I'm looking forward to decision modeling too. I'm taking that mm-hmm. um, in Q7 or 8. I can't remember which one it is, but looking forward to that. Um, so you, you probably did your internship at Ansemai? I did. Is that right? I okay. did. So how did you go about getting that internship? Um, that's a good question. I, uh, so semiconductors wasn't my first choice. Um, my wife is in the semiconductor industry. She works at Intel. Um, I didn't want to put all of our eggs, air quotes per mm-hmm. se, in the same industry. Uh, much less the same company, so I didn't target Intel either. Um, I, as I said earlier, I'm really focused on Nike and renewable energy, and semiconductors doesn't fit any of those. Um, but I, I did have the opportunity to expand my analytics skill set, and uh, location was also very important to me. And on semiconductor being five minutes from campus was very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I kind of took two of the three important things that I could get, um, and and I moved forward with that. And my experience was 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 pretty good. Um, I got I got to get a, a much broader global experience. I worked with some guys in Shenzhen, China, um, which is one thing I really enjoyed about the internship. Um, and I got to make some some really good improvements for them and uh, expanded my skill set. Got to learn some new tools, um, and I got to learn a lot about uh, the semiconductor industry. So what was your particular role or the project that you were working on there? So I was in a, uh, so I was technically a materials planner, but I didn't do anything around that. <laughs> they they had this generic internship thing and they fill it um, with the same title, but there's a different project every year. So I wasn't really a material planner, but uh, they wanted me to do a data governance project. So I came in and helped uh, better align their I'm being cautious because I'm trying to remember what I can share and what I can't share. Mm-hmm. Um, but align their analytics. So they had brought their um, analytics out of their IT department and brought it in-house to the supply chain, uh, the global supply chain group. And uh, they were a bunch of engineers learning how to do essentially software development and how to use the same resources and um, how to create reports with shared uh, repositories of data. Um, and they were sharing that not only across IT and the supply chain group, but they're also sharing it with the marketing team as well. And so all these desperate teams weren't communicating at all. Um, the IT was trying to lead that, but then the supply chain wanted to bring in house to help speed it up uh, the report output. Um, but that, so that essentially became a huge mess. And so they brought me in because of my background in IT um, at the telemedicine company I used to work at and wanted to just put some processes together and, and get all of their developers to, to work together, um, put some rules around it, and, and start to enforce that. Um, and that, that project uh, went well. I mean, we ended up with, uh, they didn't know 80% of the data that they had. Each mm-hmm. developer was pulling data and they had a lot of uh, issues with data integrity. Um, 
at the end of that, we had over 90% of their data mapped, and they had a, I left them with a good process moving forward um, to ensure they didn't have the same issues. But while I was there, they had a, uh, a reporting issue where uh, they experienced over 300 errors a day in their, uh, in their data copy from production into the reporting warehouse, and uh, all of their reports were, were behind by days, weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had no visibility um, in, into their data. And so I worked with a couple of, uh, of the other engineers to um, help clear those up, find their root cause of, the, of the, all the data refresh errors, um, help clear that out and put some new rules around, um, uh, you know, making sure, ensuring that doesn't happen again because, uh, I mean, they, they were dead in the water. Mm-hmm. So. Got it. So coming back to school, uh, do you have any incidents that kind of stood out to you like you didn't expect this from an MBA or from an ASU MBA and then you found that has happened here? What did I not expect? Um, we talked earlier about the good things, right. um, the positives. What did I not expect? One of the biggest things I was surprised about was their willing, the, the program's willingness to be flexible and make changes based on our feedback. Um, for a school of this size, um, and because I, I had my undergrad here, and, and the undergrad program isn't as flexible as the MBA program. Mm-hmm. Um, they really value our feedback and their timeliness and willing to, to move and bend, um, I think, is, is great. Um, I worry it may get out of control. Um, I think uh, that the more they bend, the more they'll get away from what has proven to be successful um, at other programs uh, in order to maybe not appease the students, but uh, I guess maybe because I haven't agreed with all of the decisions that they've made um, and just comparing those decisions to what other programs do, um, I, I hope they just don't lose sight of the fact that some things people don't like, but it's for their own benefit, like the amount of hours we put in the first year. I, I hope that future classes don't complain about that and they reduce it because I think that made us stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of those things are good good to have, good learning experiences. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's both a, both a good thing and a bad thing, but that, that definitely surprised me. Right. So I know you're a family man and you don't have a lot of time outside of studying and then taking care of your family. But if you did have some <laughs> time, uh, what are your hobbies? What do you do? Um... Man, my hobbies these days are just family time. Um, <laughs> what did I do before that? I was um, I was really into sports. Um, I love to watch sports, play sports. Uh, I played baseball growing up. Um, um, if I were to do it, if I were to get back into hobbies, man, if I had a, a ton of money, which I hope to hope to have after the program, I would just love to travel. Mm-hmm. I like to learn about different people, different cultures, and um, my hobby would have to be focused around that, I think, um, or something around renewable energy. Or, or I mean, that's where my passion is. I'd love to blend my passion and my work. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work out, then that doesn't work out. But um, it would definitely be be a hobby of mine, either either research or volunteering um, in some aspect, uh, either a nonprofit. Um, I think those are the, the things I would do to fill my time outside of family. Okay. 
So I'm going to just throw some very easy questions at you. You don't have to sure. think too much to answer. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie? Oh man, my favorite movie. All the movies I've watched have been kids' movies. <laughs> uh, as of lately. Um, man, favorite movie, favorite movie. This is going to be embarrassing to admit, but um, I really enjoyed the Die Hard movies. Whoa. I know, right? I was taking it really far back. <laughs> Anytime that I can watch a Die Hard movie again, which I'm never by myself because nobody else in my house would want to watch Die Hard, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know, something about Bruce Willis and, and the action. I, I watched those growing up um, and just the, the different puzzles of him solving and uh, trying to get out of tough situations was just very interesting to me. Yeah, I read an article somewhere that it's one of the top um, Christmas movies. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people like to watch it. The, first Die, Hard, the first Die Hard movie was had a Christmas theme because uh-huh. um, there is a Christmas party. That, that he was at so yeah I've never watched that at Christmas but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you watch any TV shows do you have a favorite one I do mm-hmm. um, so at, at night after the girls go to bed my wife and I will watch an episode or two of Friends mm. um, and we've done that the whole time we've been together we've been together for 10 years and uh, we both love the show and is so, it something you rewatch, or is we, it, are you going yep, through it the first time? We, we rewatch it. Okay. Oh yeah, for ten years we've been watching it, not on not on repeat per se. Uh-huh. Like we'll watch the whole ten seasons of Friends, and then we'll go watch something else, either mm. Bones or a, a, a more modern show. Mm. Um, we don't have cable, so we don't watch anything live. We just have Netflix. Mm. Um, so, but we have all the discs. So if net, Netflix ever drops Friends, we'll still have be able to watch them all again. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, so we watch we watch Friends and we watch you know something on Netflix, a whole series of that, and we go back and we watch Friends again, and we kind of do go that back and forth. So um, I know an obscene amount of Friends quotes and mm-hmm. lines, and uh, but my other TV series that I really like that I haven't been able to watch in a long time is The Simpsons. Mm. Um, I haven't kept up because I don't have cable, but I have a lot of the seasons on DVD and. Um, I like to watch those in my in my spare time, which I don't have much of these days. But <laughs> nice. Uh, how about music? Which is your favorite genre of music? Maybe a favorite artist? Um, oh, man, that's really tough. I like so many different types of music. Like I don't, I don't think I could. You could give me a, a genre of music that I can't find something I like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my car, I have all kinds of different stations, and I I rotate primarily between. Like uh, '90s, 2000s rock, like Linkin Park and Corn. Mm-hmm. Um, I like like '90s, 2000s hip hop, Tupac, Biggie, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure a lot of people would be surprised to hear about that for me. <laughs> um, classical music. You know, when I'm doing homework, I listen to you know Beethoven and Bach and uh, country music. That's the other one that's on on the rotation in my car. Um, and all for different reasons, melodic reasons, uh, lyrics. They all have, they all excite me in one way or another. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I love learning and listening to, to new music. Um, so one of the things, you know, when I meet with some of the international students in our program, I love to hear about the music they listen to, and um, you know, if they're willing, you know, to play some of the music that they listen to, I love to hear it. Mm-hmm. So. 
it's nice, nice that you keep exploring and not just stick to one yeah oh genre. yeah there's like I said there's not one music I don't, mm. I don't appreciate okay what about a favorite book if you are into reading yeah um, other than reading Harvard Business articles uh, the The Giving Tree, which is a kid's book. Um, I'm reading that to my daughter right now. Um, it has a whole new meaning to me since mm. having kids. Um, of you know, Before, it, it taught me a lot about um, the environment and being environmentally friendly. Um, but now, coming at it from a different perspective of being a father, it's before you put yourself in the position... I don't know if you know the book, but... It's that at every point in its life, it's giving something. Yeah, to it gives a part of itself to yeah. the little boy, and as yeah. the boy grows, the boy's changes or the boy's needs change, change. and so he takes something else from the tree right. until the tree has nothing else to give. And even in its death, it gives something. It still gives something. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, as a kid growing up reading the book, I was in the position of of the boy of not taking more than I need. Um, but now, as a parent, I'm I view myself as the tree. Mm-hmm. and that I will give whatever I can to my kids or to to the future generation. And I guess that's why I'm into um, sustainability and the environment is I'll give whatever I whatever I can to someone to help them. Mm-hmm. So nice. Uh do you have a favorite person in history that you would like to have coffee with? Talk to them, get to know them better. Um hmm I say Elon Musk. Sure. He's not in history. He's kind yeah, of the current. He's making history as we go. Yeah, he is. Um, and I, I go back and forth on him. I think he's a genius, and some people disagree with me on that, which is fine. Um, but I think he's a genius in the way he's able to find a, a an industry and able to turn on its head. Mm. I mean, he turned the car industry on its head um, with eBay, um, And, and PayPal, he turned he turned that upside down, and just rethinking the way that we view um, established um, industries, mm-hmm. you know, and the the biggest movers and shakers right now are the ones that are changing industry. Uber, well, Uber is kind of a bad example, but Lyft and Airbnb. I mean, those are long-standing industries that new technology has been able to totally change how we view those. And he's, I guess, the one poster child for that and so I would love to sit down and talk to him and ask him about you know how does he view both industry and, and problems how does he solve problems because um, wh- whether you think he's a genius or not I, I think he's an, an outstanding problem solver mm. um, whether he's a horrible PR person <laughs> like I just I want to take his Twitter account and I want to take every camera off of him and just Tell him to just focus on what he's doing because every time he opens his mouth, he gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's paying for it, literally, <laughs> now. So, um, But just to get into that mindset and see what, what he finds important, what noise he chooses to ignore, um, I think there's a lot that I could learn from that. Okay. Uh, do you have any pet peeves of your own? Oh, man. Um, so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, pet peeves. Um, I would say. So I have. It's not a. It's not a, a specific diagnosis um, in the medical industry yet, but there's this thing called misophonia. Okay. Um, 
and, and I'm going to regret admitting this to people that are listening because I'm sure people are going to poke and prod at me for it, but the sound of chewing and mm. swallowing and uh, like my dog drinking water out of his bowl just drives me crazy. Mm. And it's like nails on a chalkboard, but amplified. Mm. Like uh, one of the, the side effects is when you're stimulated by whatever the, the trigger is, you have this fire flight reflex. Mm. So you either want to yell or get that person to stop or you need to get out of there so you don't have to listen to it anymore so just any of the the like chewing swallowing um those type of like liquid sounds oh so like a perfect example any like pepsi or coke commercial where they pour the soda into the into the (laughs) into the glass or whatever and it makes that like glug 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 and the splashing sound i I have to turn it off i can't listen to it yeah it's really weird (laughs) And I, I know it's totally irrational, and I know there's nothing that it's not like a fear thing. It's mm. just a, like I need to stop it from it. happening. Yeah, it's annoyed, but like times ten, and I can't. What about when when the mic gets some resonance or feedback, and then doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother you. No. Okay. So it's not all all sound. It's a very particular Specific, yeah. sound. Yeah, and I, okay. I, I don't know what what it is or what caused it. Um, something new I learned today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Misophonia, yeah. if you guys look it up, you'll learn all about it. And it's all right. So coming back to uh, what you want to do in the future, do you have a particular role you want to take up or a particular location in the United States you want to go to or you want to stay here? Yeah, I would, lo- I would love to stay here. Um, my wife has a very good job at Intel um, and she's a lifer. I haven't found a company yet that I'm totally sold by um, that I'd want to stay at forever, but she loves Intel. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking at, at companies that would, would be in those same regions. So, you know, Portland, Santa Clara, uh, Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, Intel has some other locations and, and Intel's very flexible about where you work. And, um, and so we're looking at some places in Texas cause my wife's current boss works out of Texas. So, um, I have some flexibility, but I'm focusing on those three primary markets, primarily, Phoenix and Portland just for cost of living because the Bay Area and, and that Northern California is just mm. too pricey. Too pricey. Do you have any companies you have narrowed down to? Like the top five? Um, Obviously Nike is number Nike's one. Nike's one, Adidas, Columbia, all those in the Portland area that deal with sportswear kind of blend a lot of my passions. Um, but I'm also looking at utilities. Mm-hmm. So the renewable energy, just utility, energy creation, um, I would like to get into as well. So those very transferable. I could go to many different cities and get a utility job. Um, so, mm-hmm. what about um, ten years hence? Do you what do you see yourself doing in ten years? Um, that's a good question. I don't know what industry I'll be in in ten years, um, but I do know I want to be in a in a role. Um, I would like to lead teams. I really enjoy leading teams in my past. Um, and I would like to be making you know, those tough decisions, helping, helping my team make tough decisions. Um, so what do I see myself doing in 10 years? Um, I, w- I would like to be making materials decisions. You know, what I talked about earlier, doing the reverse logistics, um, either making influential decisions on those uh, aspects or working with suppliers um, to work towards that goal uh, is, is what I would like 
like to see myself doing in 10 mm-hmm. years. Okay. Do you have any advice for the first years, uh, given that you've been through this time yourself? Advice for the first years? Um, don't, oh man, how do I put this? Don't get bogged down in, there, there's so many different events. There's so many different opportunities of ways to get involved. I mean, I, I'm very involved now as a vice president at Impact. Um, and so, you know, and I'm encouraging people to be involved in that program. Um, but, you know, you don't have to go to every meeting. You don't have to go to every event. Um, and I mean, I'm a poster child for that. Most people listening probably know that they don't see me at all these events. Um, and I'm probably not as engaged as as a lot of the other classmates in that regard. But um, on, in that same sense, you don't need to do all that to be successful. Um, focus on what you want to learn. Focus on what you want to do, what you want to get out of the program. If you want to get, you know, uh, make that social connection and, and make friends for life, and, I'm, and I will. I just won't make friends with everybody in the program for life. There will mm-hmm. be, a, you know, 15 or 20 people in this program that I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to for many, many years. But I, I there's no way I'm going to talk to all 100 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, if you want to you wanna be friends with 75 to 100 of them, yeah, do all the social events, you know, make time for that, make time for school. Um, but if, you know, if that's not what you want to do, then find where your passion is. Um, you can learn a lot with the core classes and what your passions are. Um, I did. I learned a lot about supply chain and I, the things that I thought I would enjoy, I ended up not enjoying. And I surprised myself with the things I didn't enjoy, like, you know, decision modeling and um, mm-hmm. logistics. I really enjoyed those classes and procurement. Um, I didn't think I enjoyed procurement, but I, did, I really enjoyed that class. So um, those are have given me direction and, and that's how, where I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid to be nimble and change and um, don't feel like you need to be at, at every single event and club and all of that. Just focus on what and what your passions are. And once you complete your MBA, how would you like your peers to remember you? Um, how do I want people to remember me? Um, I would say... Um, that's a tough question. Um... I would hope that everybody has a positive image of me. Not everybody's going to feel like they got to know me that well. Um, but, you know, as a good team member, a good contributor, um, someone that was always wanting to learn and uh, being open-minded, um, those are the values I hold for myself. Um, but... You know, if, if I could portray those qualities to the people that I interacted with, then I feel like I, 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 don't, I don't want to use the word succeeded, but um, I feel like my image was portrayed how I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think those are it. You know, I, don't, I, I value people's opinion, and, um, but on, on the other hand... If people have a negative opinion of me, I, you know, would welcome them to, uh, to come and talk. And if they want, if they don't, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just hope that people would have 
have a positive impression of me and um, I, I hope I I didn't take away from their experience here got it so since you're the vice president of net impact uh, you can now take some time to like, tell people what net impact is all about sure and if there are some events coming up you can talk to them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so depending on when you get this out uh, for people to hear two weeks from now. okay um, so two weeks yeah so if you're listening to this, they're probably the Net Impact Conference is already passed, but I'm, I'm leading that charge. So specifically my vice presidency position is focused on conference engagement. So I've been working with Carrie on, in that role. Um, and so we've been planning events and activities. Um, she put on like the info session. Uh, in a couple of days, I'm doing a prep session. So the first years and second years that haven't gone to the Net Impact Conference, um, they're as knowledgeable as possible about what to expect, how to succeed, how to get the most out of that experience. Um, and so we've been working with that and working with the Net Impact uh, National chapter or the, the headquarters to um, organize the event because it is here in Phoenix or was here in Phoenix. Um, so we were subject matter experts for things to do, places to go. Um, we helped make connections with people here at ASU. So. Um, we did that from through the summer and, and into this quarter, just leading up to the conference here uh, next week. So, um, and then after that, um, I'll you know hopefully have the opportunity to get into things that I'm passionate about. So, hopefully something around reverse logistics and bring in some some speakers uh, for some club meetings to to speak to members of the club that want to come out and, and listen to what they have to say. So, yeah, that's good. Um, do you have any social media handles you want to tell people how to get in touch with you? Uh, sure, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter uh, is at RackRats, R-A-C-R-A-T-S. Um, my Facebook, I kind of keep family-oriented. Uh, my Twitter is where I get more into politics and sports kind of conversation. I'm not as active on there as I used to be, but... Um, I use Twitter as a tool to keep myself informed of, of politics and sports because I don't have cable. Um, but then I also retweet and, and post messages about things that, that I think are important. Mm-hmm. So. Right. That kind of brings us to the end of the podcast. And thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Nick, for so much great advice in this episode. And all the best to you in all your future endeavors. For those who are listening, we are also on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, and Google Podcasts. We would love for you to promote us, tell your friends about us, as I bring to you more and more personalities at Carrie. Goodbye and peace.